Hello, and welcome to the Dance Physio Podcast, a podcast designed to explore ideas and foster discussion around dancer health and wellness. We're here to challenge the status quo, bridge the gap between dance science and the studio, and help change the landscape of the dance industry for the better. I'm your host, Erica Mayall, a dancer turned physiotherapist who is deeply passionate about leaving the dance world better than I found it. I'm so glad you're here. Let's get started. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Dance Physio Podcast. This week, we are going to be talking about pre-point screening assessments, or sometimes these are just called pre-point assessments. Um, And this is sort of a little bit of a carryover from last week's episode where we were talking about dance-specific screening assessments. So with those dance-specific screening assessments, they apply to all dancers um, and sort of any genre of dance, multiple age groups of dancers. And today, I want to dive a little bit more specifically into pre-point assessment. So these are specifically for your ballet dancers who are getting ready to progress on to training on point. So we're going to dive a little bit into sort of the uh, who, what, when, where, why of pre-point assessments and um, sort of all of that stuff. I'm not going to go in that order specifically, but that's what we are going to dive into today. So I want to start out a little bit with almost the why of pre-point assessments. Why do we want to do this assessment? Why is it important for dancers to have this assessment done? And one of the biggest reasons is that we want to ensure that dancers who are progressing to point are truly ready to be progressing to point work historically um, I'm sure those of you in the dance industry are aware that there used to be sort of these like arbitrary age limits let's say of like when we used to think that dancers were ready to progress to point so it was like all right as long as you're dancing at the correct level and you've sort of reached a lot of times it was this like magic age of 12 years old then teachers would sort of deem you ready to start point work and people would automatically get their point shoes kind of in whatever level they happen to be dancing at when that was kind of the age that they were so there was very much this kind of like 12 year old um, threshold for a really long time and it's actually pretty interesting because that 12 year old threshold really didn't come from anything specific. If you ask people now, they'll often kind of say, oh, well, it's when the growth plates are closed or it's, oh, when they're skeletally mature enough. And we know that that is actually totally false. So growth plates in the foot do not close at 12 years old. And obviously there's huge amounts of variability person to person on when growth plates do close. But regardless, that's not um, the sort of like age threshold where we see that even on average. And so I don't actually know where this misinformation came from, sort of how it got perpetuated in the dance world. But for years and years and years, like generations of dancers, these sort of um, theories have kind of been perpetuated so much like a lot of things in the dance world. It was kind of just based on tradition more than anything else. And so as we have learned more through dance medicine and science, we know that just this arbitrary age of 12 is absolutely not one of the criteria for progressing to point work, but there's other things that we need to consider. And so we're looking at um, some specific physical parameters and things like that that we'll get into more a little bit later in this episode. 
So like I said, one of the biggest reasons why is that we want to ensure that dancers are safe. We want to try and minimize the risk of injury with progressing two-point work. We know the loads, like the forces and loads through the foot increase exponentially when you start dancing on your toes or like when you're up on your block on a point shoe. So we want to make sure that the dancer is in the best position possible to be able to kind of accommodate for these loads and um, deal with these loads in their body so that they're not being becoming susceptible to injury once they progress to point work. One of the other biggest reasons why I think pre-point assessments are so important, and I think that every dancer should have a pre-point assessment, is just for transparency. We all know in the dance world, there can be a lot of accusations of favoritism or those types of things. And so if you're a teacher, that's really hard to balance when you have students who are maybe like more, um, like a little bit more advanced compared to their peers and students who maybe need a little bit more time to reach that level. And then you have the students whose maybe their feelings are hurt or parents who think, well, you know, so-and-so is progressing to point. And so why can't my child progress to point? Cause they're the same age and they dance in the same class and all of those types of things. And so these conversations are definitely happening in the dance industry. And so having a transparent and objective process to go through to kind of determine when dancers can progress to point really takes a lot of this away. I remember being a dancer when I was, I can't even remember exactly how old I was, but I'm going to say I was sort of 10, 11, somewhere in that age and really, really wanting to start point work and really kind of being like super, super keen and seeing some of my friends and some of my peers sort of get their point shoes and really having absolutely no idea what that decision was being based on. Like it, we weren't given any of that information. It was all very much just like nothing was ever discussed about it until the day where the teacher would come up and say, okay, you're ready for point shoes, which was obviously a very exciting day. But I remember as a kid being like, what do I need to do to be able to like get point shoes? Do I just have to work harder in class? Are there specific things? Am I ever going to get to have point shoes? Like that type of thing. And so having a sort of like very, very transparent pre-point assessment process takes a lot of that anxiety or that sort of guesswork away from the dancers. And so they know exactly what the process is to be able to work towards getting point shoes if that is their ultimate goal. And for teachers, it really just gives you a lot of good objective information to back up your decisions because we all know that you need to justify those decisions to the dancers and to the parents. And when you have this information that is like, okay, these are what we're looking at on the assessment this is where you're totally fine or you're excelling or whatever, but this is the area you still need to work on. It gives the dancer and the family, the parents, whoever it is, really concrete information for them to understand your decision-making process. And so hopefully that then eliminates some of those um, complaints of you know, favoritism or whatever it is that we want to call it in through there. So I think that having, yeah, like a very, very transparent process really is important for everybody that's involved to understand what is kind of going to be happening as dancers are progressing through this sort of pre-point transition time. In terms of thinking about the who of like, who are we assessing for pre-point, it used to traditionally just be female 
ballet dancers that did point, but we're seeing more and more this trend for like male ballet dancers to also want to do point work as well. And so I think, again, these are conversations you need to have with your dancers if that is something that they are wanting to participate in and not just automatically excluding the boys from pre-point assessment stuff, if that is a goal that they have. Um, And there's some different considerations for female versus male dancers when we're looking at pre-point assessment. But overall, I think we need to think about assessing all of our ballet dancers who are at that level for point readiness. And to be honest, a lot of these assessment tasks, whether a male dancer is ever going to do point or not, these assessment tasks give us some really useful information that might tell us things about other areas of their dance. So much like when we were talking about just general dance specific screening assessments in the last episode, that's episode three. If you haven't listened to it yet, you can go back and listen to it. Um, Much like we were talking about that and how it gives us information for performance enhancement, pre-point assessments can do a lot of the same thing. And so we can actually look at, okay, are there areas that this dancer needs to improve on regardless of whether they actually want to do point work or not? So I truly think that every dancer who is doing ballet and sort of reaching that level should have a pre-point assessment done, more so, again, just for the information than to really, really decide yes or no whether they're starting point or not. Some of those dancers are absolutely going to want to start point, and some of those dancers may never want to do point. If you have more competitive dancers who really, like, they are much more interested in, say, jazz or hip-hop or things like that, but they take ballet classes, they may never want to do point, but I still think there's value in them going through a pre-point assessment if their classmates are also doing it at the same time and maybe some of them progress to point and some of them sort of don't progress to point. So in terms of the timing of like, when do we want to do these pre-point assessments? So we have our dancers and obviously we're not doing these with like really little kids in ballet. And so there has to be a time where it's like, okay, when do we start looking at this process? And what I see in the dance world is often this process is maybe not started early enough. I think a lot of teachers start to think about point assessment or point readiness, if we want to call it that, kind of around the same year where they think the dancer might be ready to start point. So if you're following like a syllabus in terms of whether you're doing like RAD or ISTD, a lot of times that ends up sort of being somewhere around like, you know, intermediate foundation or just before that, because then there starts to be point work um, incorporated into their exam work. And so teachers are like, okay, we we need to start to think about this or address this. But in reality, I think there's a lot more value in starting this process earlier. We want to start this process, I would say on average, and again, we're never going to know exactly when a student's ready for point. So this is a little bit of a guessing game, but I would say somewhere around two years before we think this dancer might be ready to start point. And although, like I mentioned before, that age of 12 years old was like very arbitrary and picked for a seemingly no reason in terms of like starting point work back in the day. Oftentimes when students sort of meet all of the criteria of the pre-point assessment, they happen to be around 12 years old. So that age doesn't necessarily like it's, it still sometimes holds true, but not for the reasons we used to think that it held true. So if we're thinking about that and we want to kind of start the process at, at least a year, but maybe even two years before dancers might be 
ready to begin point work, then we're probably looking at somewhere around 10-ish years old. This, of course, is going to vary dancer to dancer. It's going to depend on how many years they've been dancing for, what level they're dancing at, their physical maturity, all sorts of different factors play into this. But oftentimes it ends up being kind of around, if again, we're looking at kind of syllabus work and especially like RAD type work, it might be around grade four ballet or kind of 10, 11 years old, somewhere in that neighborhood. So we want to start the process before we think the dancers are ready. What I often see is that teachers or studios are starting this process when they think the dancers are ready. So they're almost using a pre-point assessment as like, a pass-fail type test. So, okay, we think you might be ready to start point, have an assessment done. Did you pass it? Yes, great. Here's your point shoes. Oh, you didn't pass it. Uh, What do we do with you now? And to me, a pre-point assessment really should be a process. And so, like I said, we want this to take place over like a year or maybe two years. So the first time a student's participating in this assessment, we're not expecting them to pass it. I don't expect dancers to pass an assessment the first time they do it, especially when we're starting it early. But it gives us information about what areas the dancer needs to focus on to really progress and be ready when they then hit that sort of appropriate level of dance or age or whatever it is we're looking at. And so if we can reframe this as a process rather than sort of like a pass fail or something to just like achieve like a check mark I think it really helps dancers as well because there's certainly studios that I've gone into to do pre-point assessment where the dancers are like a nervous wreck they are so 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 nervous which obviously does not help their performance on the assessment but they're looking at it almost as like an evaluation like they're they're really working themselves up the same as they would for like an exam or even a competition where they're being like judged by somebody and that is not the purpose at all the purpose is to figure out okay where are you right now what areas do you need to focus on and then kind of put together a plan or have a plan in place moving forwards so that we can achieve the goal of eventually being able to um, progress to point work so Like I said, it's going to vary depending on like dancer and that sort of thing, but somewhere between like a year to two years before we think they're truly going to be ready is what I think is like the best timing because it gives us a lot of time to then address some of these areas of concern and it gives dancers goals to focus towards. So if you do have you know, a pre-point class or some studios will have kind of like a foot and ankle strength and conditioning class or things like that, you can really focus what you're working on in those classes and target that stuff based on what you're seeing in like that sort of pre-point assessment that you are conducting. Um, so in terms of where, where, where do we do these assessments? How do they get done? Where do they get done? There's lots of options for this. Um, the vast majority of dancers probably do not need a pre-point assessment being done by a healthcare professional. So I think dance teachers are absolutely equipped to be able to assess for pre-point readiness. Um, and so that can happen in a studio setting. And so some pre-point assessments are designed to be done on an individual basis. So maybe a teacher is working individually with a student to go through an assessment tool. Um, but they also can very easily be done in a class or in a group setting. So again, if you have students who are at you know whatever level it happens to be, maybe it's your grade four ballet students, maybe part of your curriculum that year becomes, okay, every two or three months, we're going to go through the pre-point assessment tasks. We're going to see where people are at. We're going to see where we're making progress towards the end result, where we're not making progress, all of that sort of thing. So I do think it can be done at a studio and in a studio setting and even in a class setting. 
There are, however, dancers that probably do need a more specialized or in-depth assessment done by a healthcare professional. So if you are a teacher and you have students who you have concerns about maybe especially sort of structural concerns. These are often the students who get referred to me for pre-point assessments in the clinic as teachers where they're like, I just don't know if their ankle structure is ever going to allow them to like fully get up onto their box or things like that. Things where there's maybe, um, yeah, sort of more anatomical concerns than your average dancer. You probably want to refer that dancer out and just make sure that there's nothing kind of like structurally underlying that's going to be problematic for them kind of progressing to point work. You also might want to consider the assessment being done by a healthcare professional if you have a dancer who has a history of injury and specifically foot and ankle injuries, like if they've had any sort of especially like stress um, fracture history or even bad ankle sprains, things like that. But even other injuries, like if they're kind of your dancer who's maybe, you know, quote unquote, chronically injured, or they seem to have like a lot going on, they might benefit from having sort of a more individual or sort of an assessment done one-on-one with a healthcare practitioner. But the vast majority of your dancers can probably be assessed in a studio setting and sort of, again, whether that's individual or um, as part of a group class. I will also just say that there are studios that I work with who choose to bring in healthcare practitioners into the studio to do the assessments to add another layer of objectivity to their assessment process. So there's studios who, you know, for whatever reasons, and again, we know that dance can be a little bit political and there can be a lot of different dynamics that are going on behind the scenes. Teachers want to remove as much of that as possible and really have the most objective assessment and really say like, okay, are we making sure that we're doing what's best for the dancer? And so you can, if you are a teacher or a studio owner and you think like, okay, do you know what? Maybe this isn't the process that we want to undertake or take on responsibility for as teachers. You could try and form a relationship with a healthcare practitioner who comes in and does the pre-point assessments either again, individually or in a group setting, but is performing them for your studio on, you know, sort of a annual basis or periodically throughout the year. And I certainly have student or studio, sorry, that I have that relationship with. And again, it's usually because they just want this extra layer of objectivity when they're then presenting the results and really kind of like making decisions about point readiness. I will say, as a healthcare practitioner, I think it's very, very, very important to remember that we're never making the final decision about point readiness. So I can sort of, quote unquote, clear a dancer to say, I don't have any concerns about, say, their structure or their... um, you know, strength or things like that, or things that are part of this assessment process, I can say they meet all of the criteria from my perspective. But that final decision is always going to rest with the dance teacher because I don't see the dancers in a classroom setting. And there's a lot more that goes into point preparation besides just the physical side of things. So we need to make sure that we have a dancer who has the work ethic that's required to progress to point. It's it's quite common that you see dancers who 
might excel on like an assessment task. They kind of like bring out their best selves and they might kind of like ace it. But in class, they really, really don't have the work ethic and maybe they tend to be the student who's goofing off all the time, not paying attention and things like that. And that's really not going to be conducive to sort of point readiness. So we want to make sure that they have the work ethic in class. We want to make sure that they are, you know, taking the appropriate number of ballet classes. Like generally, we don't recommend point work for a dancer who's maybe doing 45 minutes of ballet technique a week just to supplement their other like competitive dance styles that they're doing. Really at that, if we have a dancer like that, there's probably no reason for them to actually be doing point work and they're better off just staying on a flat foot and just working on basic ballet technique. So there's so many factors that figure into it. And so I'm always very careful to make sure that dancers who come for a pre-point assessment at the clinic know that although I may or may not clear them from a physical standpoint, I am not going to like give them the green light to be like, oh, go buy point shoes tomorrow. I'm going to pass that information on to their teacher. And then the teacher gets to make the ultimate decision in terms of whether that fits into the schedule. It also depends on whether they have a point class that the students can attend at the studio. Like there's so many factors that figure into it. So I think that's important for healthcare practitioners to remember. And especially if you don't necessarily work with dancers all the time, but you work with them occasionally and maybe in kind of more of like a one-off capacity, we don't want to be, um, yeah, making decisions that really should be the dance teacher's decision at the end of the day. Um, and so finally, we're going to come into sort of like what the what of the pre-point assessment process. So what are we looking for? What are the components of a pre-point assessment? And there are various assessment tools available. Um, again, similarly to the dance screening assessment, I use my own pre-point assessment that's sort of been compiled over the years and based in different research um, of kind of tasks that we look at in terms of what we're evaluating. Um, so they might look different depending on where you're kind of getting that information from, but there's some key components we want to make sure that are included. So we're always going to be looking at um, range of motion of the foot and the ankle to make sure that dancers have adequate mobility to be able to achieve um, getting up onto their block and that sort of thing. So mobility is a component of our assessment. We're looking at um, strength and control, and so that is of various areas of the body. So a lot of times I think there's a misconception that we really just need to have strong ankles to be able to do point. But that's not entirely true. We need to be able to have good control of the intrinsic muscles of our feet. We need to have adequate strength at the ankle, but we also need to have strength and control through other areas of the body, through the lumbopelvic complex and through the core and the trunk and all of those areas and through there. So some of the assessment tasks are looking at that specifically. There's a couple of tests that have been researched and validated within the research. So when they've looked at all of the different things that we can possibly look at for like point assessment or point readiness, there's some um, sort of criteria that we know that if dancers can pass these tests or conversely, if dancers do not pass these tests, those dancers are more likely to be injured or to be considered not ready to start point work. And so the three that have been the most well-researched are the topple test, which is essentially a single pirouette, more or less. So it's a turning test. So we're looking at the topple test. That's obviously incorporating like dynamic trunk stability and all sorts of different things. 
Uh, the airplane test is probably the test that has been the most well-researched. If you're not familiar with that, um, you can Google it for sure. There's definitely little video demonstrations. I will maybe try and do a social media post just like very briefly of like what the airplane test looks like so people can kind of see what that is. So um, I will see if I can put that up on Instagram over the next little bit. And then a single leg hop test. And so that test is done in parallel and it's just literally a single leg hop test. Those are the three tests that have been the most well-researched for pre-point readiness. Um, the other test that there's been a lot of research done on and not just specifically to pre-point readiness, but to other sort of foot and ankle injury statistics and things like that in the dance world is a single leg rise test as well. So that's a huge component of our pre-point assessment is that we need dancers to be able to achieve 25 single leg rises in parallel on each side for them to meet that sort of like minimum standard. And so again, there's more tests than that on the pre-point assessment, but those are the ones that have been the most well-researched and kind of have the most validity in terms of when we look at yeah um, reliability and that sort of stuff with the research in terms of the pre-point assessment tasks. If you are interested in like specifically exactly what a pre-point assessment kind of might look like, I do have a pre-point assessment toolkit available as a digital product on my website. And this is designed for dance teachers. So it's not necessarily designed for parents or for dancers, but for dance educators, if you're looking to implement a more structured pre-point assessment uh, program within your studio, this is a really, really good resource. It goes through through every one of the tests that is included in my pre-point assessment. So there's little video demonstrations of like what you would be looking for on the test and what would be considered a pass and what would be considered a fail and all of that kind of stuff. So it walks you through all of the um, tasks and then has like printable PDFs of like the uh, recording sheet. So there's one that's if you're doing it in a group setting, so you're doing it as like a class and you can use that record sheet to sort of assess a bunch of dancers all at once. And then there's one that's also an individual assessment sheet. So if you are doing it on a more one-to-one basis with your dancers. So if that's something that you are interested in um, looking at, you can find it on my website. Again, there's a tab that's uh, resources for dance teachers at allegroperformance.com. I will also drop the link to that in the show notes. So you have access to that as well. Like I said, there are definitely different Um, screening assessment tools available out there. This is just the one that I use that's been developed over years. Um, And so I've made it available to dance teachers because like I said, I truly think that every dancer should undergo a pre-point assessment, but I fully recognize that not every dancer has the opportunity to work directly with a dance-specific healthcare provider. And I do think that in the vast majority of cases, dancers really can be assessed by a teacher. I don't think it always needs to be done by a healthcare practitioner as long as there is like a very kind of clear research driven objective way of assessing a dancer and it's not just a teacher being like oh well based on my 30 years of experience you can start point and you can't start point that's maybe not what we're talking about when we're talking about pre-point assessment we want it to be an assessment where there is clear objective measures of like yes this dancer is meeting these criteria or this dancer still has things they need to work towards with this criteria area. 
So I'm going to wrap it up there. If you have any questions or want any further information about pre-point assessments and the process involved in those, please feel free to reach out to me. You can reach me um, on email or social media, Instagram, Dance Physio Erica. I am always happy to connect over these topics. And just one reminder, if you have not yet, please like and subscribe to my podcast channel. It really helps other people find the podcast. And if you are so inclined, I would also be so, so, so appreciative if you wanted to leave a review and let me know what you think. Thanks so much for listening.